Suffering in this life and tribulation that God allows in our lives is not without purpose. It is the pains of childbirth. And Jesus said, when a woman is in travail, she has sorrow. But when the birth occurs, she forgets her affliction. She forgets her tribulation for joy. Don't ever think that trouble, distress, pressure, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, nothing can drive a wedge between you and God. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Inseparable Love. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible this morning and turn to Romans chapter 8, 8th chapter of Romans. I don't know uh, what you might be facing today. I don't know your circumstances in life, but I know that as Christians, we're tempted to question whether God loves us or whether His love is active and real in our present circumstances. And uh, so I want you to listen carefully. No matter where you're at, uh, we come from a whole variety of circumstances and It is a comfort to me to know that the Lord knows exactly where each one of us are. And when we open His Word, when we come to His Word, it is able. It's that sharp sword of the Spirit that's able to get right to our hearts. And so uh, we come with expectation. Look, uh, Look back at the first verse. There is therefore now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ is to be in a situation, in a position, in a blessed condition where there is no condemnation. And to be in Christ is to be in a situation, it's to be in a condition, a most blessed condition, where there is no separation. Uh, I've often enjoyed that this chapter, which has so much for us, has these bookends. No condemnation, and over at the end, no separation. What could separate us from the love of Christ? Absolutely nothing. And he answers it much more eloquently than I just did. But you get to the last verse, and he says, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul has reached the summit, and with this little word, us, he has brought every Christian with him. I don't care how long you've known the Lord. I don't care uh, how well you know the Lord. In the context that I say that, I say, if you are in Christ... If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've been born into God through God by His Holy Spirit into His family to where you can say, Abba, Father, why you have tremendous 
privilege. And you can stand here with Paul and just kind of look at the look at the uh, scenery from the from the summit of the mountain, so to speak. Let's read it again. I want to start at verse thirty-one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christians uh, tend to worry about being separated from God's love. Satan delights in seeking to drive a wedge between you and the conscious awareness that God loves. He can't drive a wedge between you and the love of God. But he would love to separate you from your understanding of it, from your trust in it. Now, God has told us he loves us. He's demonstrated it. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't spare his own son. He delivered him up for us all. He promised to never quit loving us. I have loved you with an everlasting Love, Jeremiah 31 says. When the Lord came to the great separation that we're still living in, and I mean when I say separation, I mean the physical separation. When the Lord got to the point where he was going to leave, and he knew it, and he'd been three years with his men, he said, or I should say the Scripture brings, uh, introduces that whole section. You remember in John 13 through 17, The Scripture says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And then it is interesting to read in that section that night when the Lord uh, kind of gave what I've often called the seed plot to the epistles because he speaks to his own in light of the cross. I mean, he hasn't died yet, but he begins to open up truth that is going to be expounded on throughout the rest of uh, the New Testament and where we live today. And you remember he said in chapter 15, as he was speaking about the vine and the branches, he said this, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Think on that for a minute. 
Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. That's some kind of love that we stand in. When he prayed in John 17, and you remember, look here at our text. We left off last time at the end of verse 34 with Christ, not just dead, but risen beyond the cross. He rose and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for us. And you come to John 17 and he prays that tremendous prayer that's a pattern for knowing what he's praying for us now. What is he praying today for us? And he closes that prayer, remember in verse 23 of John 17, that the world might know. His prayer was that the world might know that you sent me and you loved them just as you loved me. I mean, that's amazing to think about. God loves us like he loves his son. We are in Christ. He sees us in Christ. There's no condemnation. There's no separation. And we need to enjoy it. I, I got up this morning and I read the 136th Psalm. And you remember that's the Psalm that uh, 26 times, I think 26 verses, it gives reason to give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love, his loving loyalty, his loving kindness is everlasting. 26 times, that's the refrain. And sometimes I'm tempted to skim it, you know what I mean? Just kind of, okay, his loving kindness is everlasting, I got that, now let me read 26. And just read the front part of the verse, but this morning I read every verse and let it sink in. His love for me is everlasting. He repeats it 26 times. No wonder we give thanks to Him. Who can separate us? Notice verse 35, and let's look at our text. God wants us to be sure of this. No one, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He wants us to live in the strength and the security of that. Now, I mentioned last time that uh, the end of this chapter, it's like Paul just throws questions right in the teeth of any who would oppose Christians. And he throws questions right in the teeth of our own questions because we might raise these questions. Our heart does. And he not only throws the question, but he gives the triumphant answer. Is it possible to be separated from the love of Christ or the love of God? Notice he describes it both ways. Look at verse 35. Our text begins, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" And it closes that no one and nothing, no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, starting in verse 35, Paul lists uh, some things that uh, might very well seem to separate us from the love of Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Now, these things might seem to separate us from the love of Christ. And he lists, and he starts with this word tribulation. And I would envision it with you. Look at verse 35 and think of tribulation as the great umbrella term. And then peril, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, all these words under this topic, 
of trouble or tribulation or anguish, distress, affliction, because these words are translated variously throughout the New Testament. And our lives are filled with these very things. The word tribulation has the idea of being pressed in and coming to a narrow point, so to speak, to feel the distress of it. And so does the next word. He says tribulation or distress. When Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, that's the term he used, same root. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is small, same term. And the way is narrow, and then he changes and uses this term tribulation. But tribulation, distress, it's the idea, it's the idea of just being pressed in and feeling the pressure and not being able to escape. And in fact, we saw that the same root uh, changes a bit to come up with this term of groaning that we saw back in verses 22 and following where we groan because there's nothing else to do. There's real pressure. Now, tribulation is real, and it's sometimes uh, described as affliction, sometimes as just a problem, sometimes as just merely trouble. You know, you might be here and you say, I don't have any real, I couldn't call when I live under tribulation, but you have trouble. You have trouble, and it might be slight, or it might be great, uh, the, whole, the whole gamut of human Problems and pressures are here described. And uh, sometimes uh, we need to remember that no matter how slight or how great the trouble is, it does not separate us from His love. Elizabeth Elliot, who uh, has known plenty of trouble and has ministered to so many in times of real trouble, defines trouble, and not just, uh, not just casually, but with a very simple... A simple, and when you stop and think about it, complete description, and it gets at this verse 35 describing the great tribulation and distress and persecution and all the varied things. She says, trouble is wanting something you don't have or having something you don't want. And you stop and think about that. And uh, that's a fairly comprehensive description of what he's after. Wanting something you don't have or having something you don't want. And the human condition is not... uh, We're not exempt from these things. Christians are not exempt from these things. I mean, the Paul who wrote Romans 8 wrote 2 Corinthians. And I would encourage you, get some time and read through the whole book of 2 Corinthians. I mean, there are some tremendous sections in there where Paul tells about some of his own trouble, but he had, uh, he had plenty of trouble. He had plenty of tribulation. He had plenty of distress and peril and danger, and uh, he knew what he was writing about. In fact, we're not only not exempt, we've been promised. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have tribulation. And they're very real. Uh, They're very real. Turn to Job for a minute with me. Turn back to Job and just listen to Job chapter 3 for a moment. 
Because we're going to say some things, and Paul says some things, and we need to remember some things, but in no way are we denying that trouble is very real in a believer's life. Job was a man with a heart after God. He's a righteous man, and yet he hit some real trouble. And uh, in chapter 3, just listen to his words. Verse 11, why did I not die at birth? Come forth from the womb and expire. Verse 20, why is light given to him who suffers and life to the bitter of soul? Why? Who long for death, but there is none, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures. Who rejoice greatly, they exult when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? God had allowed Job to be pressed in, and he said, why? Why am I even born? Why did I not just die at birth? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food. My cries pour out like water. For what I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, and I am not at rest. But turmoil comes. I mean, Job wasn't describing something light. The Scripture doesn't paste over or just kind of smear over and just say, well, don't worry about it. It's not. No, the Scripture admits trouble is very real. What you're facing today, God isn't saying, don't worry about it. It's no problem at all. He's not saying that when He says, don't worry about it, ultimately. But uh, look at over at 2 Corinthians just for a minute. As I say, look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and look at verse 8. Because this book, uh, 13 chapters, three, four, five times, he goes into some of the real affliction, some of the real trouble that had come into his life and uh, explains it. But verse 8 of the first chapter gets to the point. We don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, our tribulation, which came to us in Asia that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Who's that writing? That's Paul. I don't want you to be unaware, he said, of the affliction that we were under. We were burdened excessively so that we despaired even of life. God wants us to know that that was the common lot of even the great apostle. No, we're not exempt, and in fact, we've been promised tribulation. We've seen, though, in chapter 8 that the same Paul who lived that said, it's not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. We've seen that it isn't just pointless. Suffering in this life and tribulation that God allows in our lives is not without purpose. It is the pains of childbirth. And Jesus said, when a woman is in travail, she has sorrow. But when the birth occurs, she forgets her affliction. She forgets her tribulation for joy. And the Scripture says that this suffering, Romans 8 tells us that this suffering is with great purpose. It is the pains of childbirth. But having said all that, now Paul comes to the close of the chapter and he says, don't ever think, don't ever think that trouble, distress, pressure, 
persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Don't ever think that these things separate you from the love of God. Nothing can drive a wedge between you and God. Nothing can separate or even begin to compromise or cast a shadow on God's love for you. And I'll tell you what, it never need shake our assurance of that. Now, the emphasis here is not that. The emphasis is not that our confidence in God's love need not be shaken. The emphasis is what? God's love for us is not shaken. That's the foundation. The objective love of God for us is not changed through the changing circumstances of life. That's the truth of it. But I'll tell you this, we don't have to worry about it either. Our subjective grasp of that can be unshakable. I mean, Paul has become convinced of these things. We're going to see. Notice the term he uses in verse 38. And because he has really gotten a hold of it, he's able to communicate it to us. And I'll say this, you're a Christian, nothing can separate you from the love of God. The more you understand that, the more you grasp that, the more you'll be a blessing to others, the more you'll be usable to him. And Paul went through plenty so that he might be a source of comfort to others. And that's really the thesis of Second Corinthians, the whole book. He said, we've been under a lot of affliction so that we might experience a lot of his comfort and pass it on to those who are in affliction. Job is the one who said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Paul is the one who wrote Romans 8. Our Lord says in Revelation when he speaks as the risen Christ to the church of Smyrna undergoing real trouble, he says, I know, I know the tribulation you're going to suffer. Aren't you glad to know that it is our sympathetic high priest that he's just mentioned who is praying for us, who says, I know the trouble you're under. That's verse 9 of Revelation 2. Verse 10 says, do not fear. Do not fear the things that are about to come upon you. I know them. Don't fear them. The one interceding for you, the one praying for you, he knows all about it. Now, let's look at it. Let's look at it. There is uh, nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. No pressure, no distress, no narrowing, no circumstance that maybe makes you feel like no one understands. There is one who understands. And don't ever begin to think that his love for you has changed one whit. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Inseparable Love, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans 
that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. God moved heaven and earth on your behalf, Christian. He did more than that. He gave His only Son. He did not spare His only begotten Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, Lord, Father, Jesus prayed that the world might know that the love you have for me, you have for them. To be in Christ is to be in a position of no condemnation. To be in Christ is to be in that inseparable love condition forever. Today, tomorrow, not just when you're hearing a sermon on it, but when you're facing the troubles and the tribulations of life. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Inseparable Love. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 